long-forgotten maintenance installation outside the Arctic town of Krask, a facility where political prisoners had been forced to work. There were hundreds of such facilities dotted around the former Soviet Union, giant, ugly, oil-stained monoliths which before 1991 had formed the industrial heart of the USSR, but which now lay dormant, left to rot in the snow, the ghost towns of the Cold War. But two days ago, on October the 24th, all that had changed. A team of 30 well-armed Islamic Chechen terrorists had taken over Kraskate and announced to the Russian government that they intended to fire four SS-18 nuclear missiles on Moscow, missiles that had simply been left in their silos with the fall of the Soviets in 1991, unless Russia withdrew its troops from Chechnya and declared the breakaway republic an independent state. A deadline was set for 10 a.m. local time, today, October the 26th. The fact that Krask 8 was something more than a relic of the Cold War was also news to the Russian government. After some investigation of long-sealed Soviet records, the terrorists' claims had proven to be correct. It turned out that Kraskate was a secret the old communist regime had failed to inform the new government about during the transition to democracy. It did indeed house 16 SS-18 nuclear-tipped intercontinental ballistic missiles in concealed silos designed to evade U.S. satellite detection. Apparently, identical missile launch sites, disguised as industrial facilities, could also be found in old Soviet client states like the Sudan, Syria, Cuba and Yemen. And so, in the new world order post-Cold War, post-September the 11th, the Russians had called on the Americans to help. As a rapid response, the American government had sent a counter-terrorist unit from Delta Detachment, led by specialists Greg Farrell and Dean McCabe. Reinforcements would arrive later, the first of which was a point unit of United States Marines led by Captain Shane M. Schofield. Schofield strode into the Bombay of the plane, breathing through a high-altitude face mask. He was met by the sight of a cargo container, inside which sat a fast-attack Commando Scout armoured vehicle that looked like a cross between a sports car and a Humvee. And inside, strapped tightly into their seats, sat seven recon marines, dressed in white-grey body armour and battle dress. Apart from one member, this wasn't Schofield's regular team. His usual recon unit was currently operating in the mountains of northern Afghanistan, hunting for the terrorist leader and long-time number two to Osama bin Laden, Hassan Mohammed Zawahiri. Libby Fox Gant, fresh from officer candidate school and now a first lieutenant, was leading the team, and Gina Mother Newman, an experienced gunnery sergeant, was acting as her staff sergeant. Schofield was supposed to be joining them, but at the last minute he'd been diverted to lead this unexpected mission. The only one of his regulars that Schofield had been able to bring with him was a young sergeant named Buck Riley Jr., call sign Book Two. Silent and brooding, and possessed of an intensity that belied his twenty-five years, Book Two was a seriously tough-as-nails warrior. Schofield keyed his satellite radio, spoke into the vibramic strapped around his throat. Base, this is Mustang Three. Situation, please. A voice came over his earpiece from McCall Air Force Base in Alaska, the communications center for this mission. 
Mustang 3, this is base. Mustang 1 has seized the missile silos and is awaiting reinforcements. Mustang 2 is in the main maintenance building. What about our follow-up? Schofield asked. A company from the 82nd Airborne is en route, Scarecrow, approximately one hour behind you. Good. We're go for drop. Five minutes later, the cargo container dropped out of the belly of the stealth bomber and plummeted like a stone. Inside the container, in the car resting inside it, sat Schofield and his seven marines, shuddering and jolting with the vibrations of the fall. Schofield watched the numbers on a digital altimeter whizzing downwards from 100,000 feet. Preparing to engage chutes at 5,000 feet, Corporal Max Clark Kent, the drop corporal, said in a neutral voice. GPS guidance system has us right on target. External cameras verify the LZ is clear. Schofield eyed the fast ticket.